Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Pete Scazzaro. Great to be with you today. Uh, our theme is part two of talking about highly differentiated leaders uh, growing in differentiation. The great need of our day is for highly differentiated leaders who will bring their gift and self to others to lead them forward into really God's future uh, for themselves. So let me just review what differentiation is from part one. Uh, it's a working definition is it's, it's remaining connected to people yet not allowing my reactions or behaviors to be determined by them. It's it's charting your course. It's your primary task, like Jesus, is to calmly differentiate your true self from the demands and voices around you. Uh, everyone's got a plan for your life. Uh, the issue, though, is what's God's plan for your life, and and how do you calmly differentiate from the voices around you that want to shape you into somebody that you're not? So, again, differentiation can be defined and has been defined by some as you know personal emotional maturity. Uh, but just think with me of two two biblical examples which flesh it out. The first is David, and we see in his life someone who has uh, been able to break with the pressure of those around him. Even in 1 Samuel 17, when he emerges as a young man in the whole battle of Goliath. And if you remember, he's not a soldier, but he arrives there at the, at the battle scene. Goliath is challenging uh, the troops. And he's able to cut through all the obstacles and pressures to be his true self in God. And his family, his brothers say, you can't do this. You're conceited. You're arrogant. Uh, Saul, who's the king, uh, who's led great armies, he's the great general. He says to him, you can't do this. You're only a boy. And actually tries to put armor on him. And then you've got Goliath who says, I'll kill you if you even try to attack me. And uh, But he takes off Saul's armor and he charges with slingshot and stones. And we just see him. He just He's differentiated. He, he knows himself. He knows God. And we see that even in his leadership as he writes psalms and breaks through in worship and dance. He, he, he breaks the whole mosaic style of more formal worship uh, that had preceded him, and, and, he, and he breaks into a new ground of God's grace and the kind of leader he is, and we find him so refreshing even to today. And then the second, of course, the example of, of differentiation is Jesus, and we see that with he is able to say at the end of his life, I've completed the work that you have given me to do, and, and he does that, uh, but he doesn't do the will of the people around him. I mean, think of the, his family uh, didn't understand him. Uh, they clearly had some thoughts about how he should perhaps unveil his life. Uh, the crowds clearly wanted him to be a king, uh, like kings of Israel, and a certain kind of Messiah that would overthrow the Romans. You had the 12 disciples. They didn't get it. Uh, they wanted to shape him into a certain kind of leader, but uh, he disappointed them. In fact, Judas got so fed up with uh, that he quit. I mean, he betrayed Jesus. He went another way. He just said, I, I didn't sign up for this. And, uh, and then, of course, the religious authorities were not excited about Jesus' differentiation either. But he's able to say, uh, you know, again, I, I've done the Father's will. I've completed that. And he knows the Father's love for him. And, and so a solid self versus a pretend self is a nice image I like to use. Or true self versus false self has been used through history. And it's basically, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. It's and what I will or will not do in a given situation, because I've got myself an anchor. I'm not my myself is solid. It's not reflected off of what you think of me. So um, I'm not devastated if someone doesn't like me or thinks um, you know a sermon I gave wasn't very good. 
uh, because myself, I'm not getting my sense of who I am from them. It's more grounded, more deep in God and myself. So this issue of differentiation is, is every stage of life. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, think of teenage years. You know, teenagers. Uh, you, you're trying to figure out who am I as, as a kid, and I remember myself in high school. Like many, I was trying to to, to figure out who I am, right? And I'm I'm I'm, I'm into I'm, I'm a sports guy. I'm a jock over here. I'm I'm in the academic class. I'm trying to be a brain over here. I'm trying to be super cool for the young girls. You know, they might like me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to be a druggie over here to those kids. To, but you know, I'm just I'm just uh, I'm not sure who I am. So I've got four or five, six different people. I'm becoming at different, depending on who I'm with around me. And that's why even teenagers often rebel against parents and authority. And it's actually quite healthy. It's just often immature at that age because they're differentiating. And so when you're, you know, 12 year olds, I hate 12 year olds, I hate you, you know, as a parent, you know, don't, don't freak out. Part of this, they're flexing their muscles and they're, they're separating from you in a healthy way and trying to stay connected, but they're not sure quite how to do it. Listen, people move to California, you know, from New York City or move from California to New York City to get away from their parents and their families. I'm going to differentiate. I'm going to be different. But actually their behavior is being controlled by actually their family. Decisions are being made against their family. And so it's still an immature differentiation uh, and still can be very, what we call, enmeshed. Think of 20s to 30s, you know, in that, that decade, you know, you, uh, you're experimenting, you kind of figure out who am I? And and you need feedback from people. I was talking to my one of my daughters in her 20s and and her need for feedback from her boss at this stage, it's her first job, et cetera. And it was just, it's, I, I was telling you, it's very healthy at this phase of your life to be needing and looking for that feedback from your boss or some mentors at work. By 30s and 40s, differentiation takes a, a bit of a different twist. You know, you're trying to make your mark in life and, uh, who, you know, my career. It's a, it's a very tough decade, you know, in many ways. And and my sense of self is so tied in often with my accomplishments and uh, and then my 40s to 50s, you're, you had some bumps and failures, and you wonder, am I just a loser? And again, all that pressure of getting clear in your 40s and 50s, hopefully by that time a little bit, and less concerned with people think, but it's still there. And by 50s and 60s, you're getting free, you know, your convergence is beginning, you're getting comfortable in your own skin. Uh, and actually, 60s and 70s are uh, your best decade of life. And uh, you're really, at that point, hopefully, as you've been growing in this, you're really becoming free. And uh, 70s, they say, you know, 60s is your best decade, 70s is your second best decade, and your 50s is your third best decade. And the reason is because you're more differentiated. You're more in touch with who God's made you to be, and you're less trying to impress people or please people or get your identity in power or get your identity in making money or get your identity in how many followers you got on Twitter or Facebook. You're just you're just free or Instagram. You're just you're just centered. And it's a beautiful place to be. And so differentiation is being, you know, yourself but yet remaining connected to people. That's why to be a leader, you've got to know yourself as well as know God. And this has been ever since I got on this journey of emotionally healthy uh, discipleship or leadership or spirituality, as we call it today, since 1996, this has been an everyday issue for me, is growing and maturing in my own differentiation, being myself and uh, in light of the knowledge of God. And so I remember even in 1996 when I began to just come alive in this, and I, I just stepped back and said, you know, what kind of leader am I? Who am I? Because I was trying to copy everybody else. Now, you can learn from other people. That's a great thing. But I don't need to, I can learn some things, but I've got to integrate that into my unique self and who I am. And so I, I remember coming to a place saying, you know, what kind of leader am I? And, uh, you know, I'm artistic, I'm intuitive, I'm creative, I'm a writer, I'm a communicator. I've got some, you know, or I've got some organizational gifts, but I'm, I'm not primarily 
an executive organizational leader, a much more of a communicator. And I just had to get comfortable. Even some of the passions of my heart, which were the poor, uh, were multiracial church, was a core value for us here at New Life Fellowship Church. And that put clear limits on the kind of church we were going to be. And markers of success, at least by those around me, were not being a multiracial church. And I had to really just finally topple that God of idol of numbers because it violated that God uh, would cause me to violate some core values that I held in the kind of church I felt God was calling me to pastor. So being myself, I remember 1996, I just had to get to a place saying, okay, God, wherever it leads, I'm going to go. Uh, and, and it wasn't against other churches. That's when I stopped comparing myself. And, uh, you know, often we got to put other people down or other churches or ministries or movements down or people down so we get a sense of I'm okay, right? They stink, I'm great. You know, this church is worldly or whatever, and but I'm not, and, and look at me. And that's not high, high differentiation. It's actually a reflection of the fact that you've really got some good work to do here. So I don't find myself by putting you down. And I mean, that, was a, that was a real turning point for me in 96. And, and, and I began to get really reflect, what do I need in terms of my doing and being balance? How do I want to live my marriage? And Jerry, I began to you know, differentiate with her as a, as, a, as, a, as a wife. And so let me just give you some examples before I, I, I really want to get to towards the end of this podcast, what are four ways you grow in differentiation that have been really helpful to me that I want to just share with you. But, but I just, here's what it looks like for me on an everyday basis before I even go any further on this. So each day, you know, again, what does that look like for me? It's, I, I've got to, I got to balance. What do I need in terms of being and doing? Okay, like my my doing for God, I got lots of leadership thoughts and vision. I'm doing this podcast. But what do I need today in terms of my being, in terms of prayer, silence, take care of myself, um, to feel like I'm I'm leading out of a cup that overflows? Uh in our marriage every day with my marriage with Jerry. Uh, is a constant work of differentiation. My, my, we're one flesh. I, I, you know, she's the most important person in my life. Uh, she lives in me. I live in her. At the same time, I, I'm not her. I'm me. And so we're separate people, yet we're, we're one and we're connected. And so uh, if you're married or any kind of close relationship in, in any community you're part of, uh, it's always a work of, of staying connected, yet this is what I prefer. This is what I like. I think it might even parenting. I've got four daughters, 23 to 32 years old, and I want to serve them as they emerge into adulthood, but I don't want to overfunction. Uh, and so I've got also got, you know, God's call on my life, and they're a part of that, but they're not my whole life. And uh, sometimes they would gladly take my help, and I'd serve them, over-serve them, and do for them what they can and should do for themselves. And so I was helping one of my daughters, and she just moved into her first apartment and uh, had some uh, cockroaches there, and it was a crisis for her. Her first apartment within the first week, two weeks, and uh, I said her second apartment. But it's her first year living on her own, and uh, you know, I, I got involved with her, and I, you, you know, I had to ask myself, and Jerry asked me at one point, at what point are you overfunctioning, uh, and at what point are you, you know, you're trying to help her get launched into life, and I had to, uh, at, you know, what point now am I over-serving where I'm resentful because I'm not doing some things that I feel like God's given me to do? And so I, I, I did do quite a bit for her. He went over there a few nights and did some things and got emotionally involved. Uh, but there was a limit on how I put it. But it really was a differentiation issue in my own parenting. So it's been a joyful experience. But I had to do some inner work in that process. So I didn't just do what my family of origin did, which was, you know, my family, Italian-American families, you just do for your kids in ways that are totally inappropriate throughout their whole lives. And uh, I think of one uncle that 
um, you know, his kids never paid rent into their 50s, okay, and uh, in, in their two-family house. It was just inappropriate. You know, it's not healthy. I, I mean, I had some, I had some converse, difficult conversations in the last few weeks uh, with uh, people on, you know, staff, other staff at New Life Fellowship, where I just had, you know, there were just some uncomfortable moments, and I felt I needed to have some conversation. I sat down with two different people, and uh, I had to prepare for it say some hard things um and but respectfully and honestly and clearly and i had some anguish and angst uh that kindled it and then i had to do the inner work to prepare for that meeting to do it appropriately uh and they were great conversations they were differentiation conversations but see the easy thing to do is just you know sweep it under the rug and hope it goes away which would be my my past family of origin i never saw people have healthy conversations even though they were personal and difficult um, but that, to me, is the work of leadership uh, uh, because, you know, we're involved with people. And when you're involved with people, there's always that give and take differentiation. Uh, e- even recently, we've had some very uh, – I've had a large amount of time dedicated to what kind of organization are we building here at Emotionally Healthy Discipleship? Uh, you know, we have grown massively uh, in the last year to two years. I mean – really uh, an expansion way beyond what we had ever imagined in terms of needs and opportunities and doors coming our way. And the, the, the momentum of what was coming at us was just, oh, obviously build a big organization here, you know, and sustain this that will go on for decades and become the premier whatever discipleship ministry or one of the big ones in North America and da, 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 da. And, you know, it's kind of a way that you do this as doors open like this. And I, I had to really step back and say, God, what are you asking me to do? And how are, how are, what does it look like to build this in a way that uh, reflects who I am and who Jerry is and what you've asked, who, who, how you've uniquely made us? And uh, it's been very interesting. So I said, that's the number one issue uh, as we go into a strategic plan. So I'm, I'm the point leader and the founder. Uh, and so it's been very interesting how it was a, a process and, again, of, of discernment. Is really a process for you of differentiation. Again, what's the father asking me to do and how to do it? And so in our case, uh, it's much more producing excellent, high-quality content for the world. It's a great legacy to leave behind, uh, but not get crazy and build this massive organization. Um, you know, we have one full-time employee and a bunch of contract employees, and but the focus will be quality uh, living out what we're preaching on a small scale and and producing high quality content, uh, but I, I at this stage of my life I want to live in such a way that I'm really enjoying my wife, my children, my grandchild, and grandchildren, other ones on the way, and uh, and God, and I want to lead and be a blessing to the church. But it's going to come primarily out of writing and producing materials like this podcast. Uh, I, I had a, a, a you know we run the emotionally healthy discipleship course at New Life Fellowship. And uh, one of the pastors on staff uh, had made some ch- wanted to make some significant changes in it, so he could develop leaders uh, for the long term future. But it was a different, um, which, which I'm into leadership development. But he wanted to take it down a road that I would really wasn't the road I've ever intended it to be pri- as a primary purpose. Uh, the primary purpose is to build a DNA into a church culture of discipleship, out of which everything flows: leadership, community, worship, everything. But Anyway, I, it was a very tough conversation we had, um, and I just I say no, that's you know, and, and no, basically, and uh, and I had to come to grips with where is my limit, uh, uh, where I 
just no, that's not what well, I'm going to participate in that. If you do that, you know, and it was a great, it was a great meeting. We, and uh, I respected the fact that he had certain goals out of his job description uh, and life. And I had certain ones that I see for the large term, long-term future for our church at New Life Fellowship. So it was a great conversation, but it was a hard conversation. And we have to actually have a follow-up uh, next week and uh, just to make sure everything checking it all good. I remember the first time I let somebody go, uh, an employee, I mean, uh, I was de- I, it, I was up nights, uh, and it was a clear letting somebody go. You know, she wasn't the right fit. Uh, couldn't really do the job. We were very we were a small church at the time, but I just remember the idea of her being hurt or upset. I was just I, I just you know I was so lowly differentiated. Um, I, you know, my identity was so wrapped up in her liking me and everybody liking me that I, I did it, but I did it poorly. Of, uh, but I look back now and I say, wow, you know, how I've grown over the decades uh, where I can, you know, be a good steward of an organization or a ministry and God's resources and let somebody go. It's not personal, uh, but that's really about differentiation and to do it respectfully and well. Even my role at New Life Fellowship is a constant differentiation. I'm not I'm not the lead pastor any longer. I, uh, I'm i a teaching pastor. I'm pastor at large. Uh, and so I have, a, I have a clear role, and but there's limits to my authority and boundaries and uh, you know, I don't serve on the pastoral team or the board, or I've got a limited role at our church, and the rest of my time is given to serve the, the global church. But I don't want to overfunction and do for the church. Uh, you know, other people need to be raised up to do that. And I'm in my fifth year of this role, but I realize it's a constant flow of of differentiation. Of I get asked to probably do a lot more things than I think is healthy or want to do or should do. And so it's wonderful to be asked. You know, there's always, there's always endless needs in any church. Uh, but it's a constant differentiation of I, I love the church, uh, but it doesn't mean I do everything for her. That makes any sense. And so it's that constant jug. So I'm always asking, what's God saying? What's my unique life? And how is God calling me to walk that out on a, on a day-by-day basis? So I think the words I look for, it, you, you want to be clear about who God's made you to be. You want to be clean in your speech and respectful and connected and loving. And it's not about being selfish. It's actually for other people. Uh, it's for the sake of the world. Uh, and it, it can look selfish, but it's really actually not. It's actually the most loving thing you can do. Uh, when David broke through uh, in, in, in his differentiation in 1 Samuel 17, as he began to grow in it, we've all benefited to this day of that. Uh, so listen, if you go on this journey of growing in your differentiated self, uh, again, connecting emotional maturity and spiritual maturity are inseparable. Life is easier, actually. Uh, you're less worried about what other people think. Your goals are clearer. You're you're clearer. You're, you have better health, actually, physically, emotionally. Better sleep. Uh, you're able to take a well thought out position. Your goals become realities, and and your your relationships, I like to say, are just cleaner. And again, that that's you know part of the reason we we, we you know the, one of the key principles of the emotionally healthy discipleship course is go back to go forward. Uh, it's it's building a genogram of your family going back three to four generations. So you can differentiate from the emotional system that shaped you your first 18 years uh, and, 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 and begin to look at yourself. Uh, and actually, Murray Bowen, the founder of systems theory in the 50s, developed this whole genogram. It's, it's really it's a, quite a biblical theme of uh, three, the sins of our fathers are passed off from generation to generation clear Old Testament theme here. And so part of what you're doing is breaking the sinful parts of your past uh, and taking the positive legacies, but then becoming the person God's called you to be in the future. And genogram, your family is one of the, going back to go forward, is 
uh, one of the best way I know uh, to get at differentiation in a clear way. And so uh, I, I was exposed to this initially in 1996 uh, in a counselor's office in a very brief exercise. And I, I just kept growing and maturing in it. I did a, a, a you know, advanced program and study in marriage and family. I did a one-year genogram of interviewing every living member of our family, my family, as part of an assignment. Painful thing to do to fit up what's from the past, and, and I can look at how I came out of this family, and now basically, you know, who am I? It was a one-year project, a doctoral program. It was tremendous. And so we've put that into the, it's a core theme of emotionally healthy discipleship. Uh, and I want to, you know, encourage you to do, it's session three of the relationships part two of the course, and you want to do that. You want to, you want to again, I want to encourage you to get, uh, uh, get trained. Every month I do a training on what is this emotionally healthy discipleship course. Uh, check it up on our website. Get trained. Do the course. Um, even if you do it with two people over the summer, just do it. Uh, and then hopefully, by God's grace, bring it to your church. But remember, you can't change what you're unaware of. Uh, but once you're aware, you can make choices. So who are you? You know, And you may say, I don't have a clue who I am. Well, discipleship, core to discipleship is knowing who you are and growing in that so you can serve Christ appropriately. So here's my four guidelines to grow in differentiation. Uh, and you can, you know, consider this, ponder it, and might be one or two that really you want to get moving on uh, even today. So first is this, to grow in differentiation and be faithful to your true self in Christ. Number one is you've got to pay attention to your interior, your inside, and uh, what's going on inside of you, uh, especially with silence and solitude. You need to pay attention, number one, to just what's happening inside of you. Prior to my journey into emotional discipleship, I just didn't do that. My focus was external leadership. What are we going to build? Where are we going? And I failed to see that we lead from the inside out. Who you are is more important than what you do. In fact, who you are informs everything you do. So to be the person God's called you to be, uh, you need time to for silence you need time for solitude. You need time to feel. What's, what, what are you feeling? Uh, and I remember in 90, 1996, I began to even journal uh, what I was feeling because I didn't do feelings. Um, and often I do it in the morning as part of my devotional time, what, what I felt the previous day because I was so bad at even, even feeling it. And I just, I didn't have a good theology of, of feeling, especially sadness and fear and anger. But uh, I, I began to just listen to my emotions. And again, it's a whole big theology of part of being a human being is you feel. You know, when you stop feeling, you'll be dead. And But God's coming through your feelings. Uh, he, he's, we don't follow our feelings. We follow Jesus. But one of the ways he communicates to us is through our feelings. Uh, uh, and Ignatius of Loyola has done the best work on this, on desolations and consolations and what brings you life, what brings you joy and what brings you a sense of death and desolation and just down and you just you don't have any energy coming out of you. Uh, very important to learn about that. And, and uh, there's a really good section on that in, uh, in the Emotionally Spirituality book, uh, Know Yourself That You May Know God. And I really want to encourage you to pick that, you know, read that. But silence and solitude are so foundational to emotionally healthy discipleship that they're repeated, th it's repeated throughout uh, the course and throughout everything we talk about, because if you're not feeling, you're not alive. And and uh, but to paying attention to what brings you life. So for me, when I write, even doing these podcasts, I feel like I've had a day off. When, I, when I'm writing, it's just such a joy to me. Reading, studying, you know, it's wonderful. I have other friends, you know, when they're building something, carpenters or work with their hands. They're just, it's 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 just incredible joy for them. That's that's, a, that's an indication. It's one of the ways God's coming to you about. It his will for your life. So listening to that, you know, when you've got angst in a, in a conversation with someone at work, 
You need time to, to ponder that before God in silence and ask the question, what is God saying to me? What's he maybe inviting me to do? And so this paying attention to what's going on inside of you is just, it's number one. And that's why uh, building a contemplative dimension into your life of silence and solitude is so important. Number two is you need to find trusted companions. I, I don't, who, who can help you on this journey, find trusted companions. I know very few people who have shed uh, good layers, or, or shed, not good layers, shed multiple layers of their false self in order that their true self in Christ might emerge, who have not had a few trusted leaders, trusted companions on the way. And I've had so many, and I continue to have so many on the way. Now, now, listen, I, I mean, I, I've got, even right now in my life, I've got a spiritual director, I've got some mentors I call on specific issues, uh, I've got peers, uh, friends I, I really give me great perspective that I talked to. I've got a board, a wise board over me. Uh, I, I, I read books. I learn from people in the present. I learn from people in history. Um, in fact, if you've ever seen the, the – I'm learning from some younger leaders a number of things. Uh, you know, I, I've been reading – I've been studying story brand. if you know that, clarifying your message. It's been really fun. I, I, I learned from younger leaders about – you know, I think from podcasting to social media and, and Twitter and Facebook, because I've, I've seen that as mentoring tools. And uh, I mean, I, I I was joking with Ruth, who was the executive director of Emotionally Spirituality yesterday, we were saying, like, if we weren't learners, we, would, we wouldn't even know what a podcast was or what a blog was. I mean, we could easily have stopped learning five years ago. Uh, and six years ago. And so it's been such a journey with, I feel like I'm just, I'm growing. So I have, I have younger mentors I'm learning from, uh, as well. Have you ever seen a book called, uh, Connecting? It's an old book by Paul Stanley and Robert Clinton. Uh, it's called Connecting, published by Nav Press. And he talks about the, men it's a subtitle is the mentoring relationships you need to succeed in life. Uh, and he talks about spiritual guides, coaches, counselors, teachers, sponsors, historical models of mentors, peer co-mentoring. So it's just a really, it's a good book to just expand your understanding of who are trusted companions you've got in your life. And if you're a leader, you need a lot of them and you need different ones along the way. You may have one or two that are for life. Uh, and that's wonderful. Those are gifts from God. Uh, you may have three or four that are for life, but you're going to have a lot of people for short seasons uh, as you are learning from other people. So I, I want to I, I had one person who was really, you know, it's funny, she was a therapist, and uh, I'll never forget it. She she called me. Uh, I went to her for a season. I, I just had to make some hard decisions at a season uh, organizationally, and I knew it related to my family of origin, why I, I couldn't make these difficult decisions, which had to do really about letting people go. Uh, very painful, uh, and it was a level of differentiation I'd not been at before. I knew it was a level of family of origin material I'd not dealt with. And I'll never forget, she called me a liar. She goes, so you're basically in these job value in, in our you know, annual reviews, I would actually lie to the people and tell them they're doing a, a better job than they actually were because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And I didn't want them, again, not to like me. My, my sense of self was still reflected by what they thought of me. And I'll never forget, she, when she called me a liar, uh, she did it very nicely, uh, or I wasn't walking in integrity because I was saying one thing and living another. I was just cut to the quick. I mean, I was just devastated. I mean, talk about it. I went, I, I tanked. Uh, but it was like a, a knife going through a, a level of false self and cutting something something off me. And I, had, I did a lot of journaling, a lot of inner work, a lot of time alone of wrestling with why am I like that? Of course, it went back to my genogram, my family of origin. 
it was deep. But it was really a God gift for me uh, in setting me free. It was, it was just actually amazing. Uh, and so, again, God's going to, not every uh, trusted companion is going to say things you like. If you're only going to people that say things that you like, uh, you're probably not, uh, you're not really probably very teachable and open. So part of it is, is, is you go with people who will say hard things to you, but hopefully in a loving way. But sadly, some people say hard things to us, but they don't say in a loving way. But, but sometimes that, that's a God's way of coming to us because he's maturing us and, and building us. All right, number three is this. The third is, so you want to pay attention to your interior life, especially in silence and solitude. Number two is you want to find trusted companions uh, who are some people. Hopefully this podcast is one trusted companion. We don't know each other maybe personally, but uh, it's a piece. Uh, thirdly is you move out of your of your comfort zone. You're actually going to take a step. Uh, now, it's going to be uncomfortable because you understand that the inertia of life, of generations is pulling you back to however your family did life and expectations of your family of what you, who you should be. And, and then the pressure of people around you and the wider culture uh, to pull you into being a certain kind of person versus God has a call for your life. God's got a destiny for your life. God's taking you someplace. We have nobody like you on the face of the earth. He's calling you to lead and bring influence to people. And so it's going to require moving out of your comfort zone, uh, which is just going to feel hard. Uh, a great quote by Rumi that I love goes like this. He says this, inside you, there's an artist you don't know about. If you are here unfaithfully with us, you are causing terrible damage. Let me say it again. If you're here on earth unfaithfully, you're causing terrible damage. Think about that. If you're not living your God-given life, you're causing damage to the people around you. You're not doing them any favors, even though you may be doing what they want what they want is not what they actually need from you. They need you to be who God's called you to be. Uh, but if you're open to God's loving, uh, if you're open to your loving uh, becoming God's love, you're helping people you've never even met before. And I think of David. I think of Moses. Uh, I really truly believe the greatest gift we can give to the world is our true self out of loving union with Jesus. And that's why my favorite Hasidic tale is by Rab Rabbi Susia, where uh, he was asked, when he's an old man, he says, at the end of your life, God's not going to ask you, why were you not Moses? Why were you not Jeremiah? Why were you not, you know, uh, John the Baptist? Why were you not Paul? God's going to ask, why were you not you? Why didn't you live out the unique God-given life that only you could live that I put you on earth for? And so, again, uh, changing, moving in differentiation is a revolution for you and all those around you. And just finally, just it, you pray for courage. You pray for courage, you know, out of that abiding in Jesus to actually move out and be, the, this, this takes power, this takes God, this takes the Holy Spirit to be able to actually, wow, change. So listen, remember this, when you leave home uh, at 17, 18, 19 years old, you are at your family's level of emotional health or differentiation. In fact, three days with your family of origin will tell you your level of differentiation. Just go back, be with your family. You can be 70 years old, and what happens, we go right back to being 12, you know, and with our family of origin. We actually marry people with the same level of differentiation. Uh, and and uh, you may think you're more mature than your spouse. Uh, no, we actually marry, it's, it's, and you think, the more you think about it, the more you realize, of course, uh, you're attracted to someone at that level. You're not going to be attracted to someone way lower or way higher. Uh, and then differentiation at home and church are closely related. In other words, your ability to walk this out in, in your marriage, if you're married, or in your closest relationships in, at home is closely related to how you walk it out 
in your leadership. You can't separate your marriage or singleness and those close relationships to your leadership. Um, so enough said. Let me recommend a couple of books to you as we close here uh, that you may want to look into. Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer. Great book. Uh, it's not the word differentiation is never used in it, but it's a fantastic book on you know, becoming your true self. Let your life speak. Friedman, Ed Friedman, who's a rabbi, has written on differentiation. Uh, he's wrote a book called Generation to Generation, excellent book. Uh, Friedman's Fables, the second book of his, really fun fables, fabulous. Uh, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, obviously the course, the book. Uh, it's got, you know, Know Yourself That You May Know God, you know, great material. Uh, Jerry's book, The Emotionally Healthy Woman, the entire book's about differentiation. So if you're a man listening to this, get it on Kindle and read it. Uh, it was really never written for women, but it's called Emotionally Healthy Women, Woman. But uh, uh, it's all about the whole, the whole book's on differentiation. So let me encourage you, get on this journey with us. Uh, you know, come to one of that, those one-month trainings uh, on Emotionally Healthy Discipleship uh, that we're holding each month. Check out our website, emotionallyhealthy.org. Uh, listen, if you do Twitter or Facebook, uh, send me questions you've got. Actually, this topic of differentiation came out of someone sending me an email out of the podcast saying, hey, would you do a, would you do a podcast on this? And the more I thought about it, the more great I thought it was. Send me questions, topics. Love to hear from you. Hey, it's been a joy to be with you. Thank you so much. You have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon.